0: series that we've been preaching for the last several weeks called Reset. I believe this has been a time that God has provided all of us an opportunity to take spiritual inventory and just to get our hearts in the place that he wants them to be because I truly believe there is a release coming on the people of God in this hour. It's going to be a significant move of God in the earth. And it's going to be catalytic. I believe the moment that we're in has provided time for people to pray, to seek the Lord, to turn their hearts toward God. And it's going to be a catalytic time that I believe is just going to usher in a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So in this series that we've taught called Reset, today I'm going to preach a message called Contagious because I want you to know that the move of God And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church makes what's happening in the hearts of the people of God in the church. It's a contagious move. And in order to get this, we're going to go to two places in the scripture. And I want you to to look at Acts chapter 6 and, and Romans chapter 12. And I want you to listen to what the word of the Lord says And we're going to talk about this whole idea of being contagious. Come on, look at somebody that's in your house with you right now. Look at your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife. If you're walking through Walmart, look at your cashier and tell them, God is about to make me contagious. Come on, tell somebody that right now. We're going to be contagious. Acts chapter 6, verse number 7. Then the word of God spread. The word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of them were priests and were obedient to the faith. Look at that. The word of God spread. Now I want you to look over in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to find a point of harmony in this text. Look at Romans 12 verse 9. Paul said, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lacking in diligence. Listen to this. Fervent in spirit. Everyone say that with me where you are. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and given to hospitality. I want you to see what God is saying here in Romans, the 12th chapter. He said to us in the 11th verse, be fervent in spirit. And Acts said the word of God spread. And we're going to talk for a few moments today about being contagious Because I want to tell you right now, if a virus can spread and get this much attention, then I believe the gospel and the kingdom of God can be spread and can get all the glory and give all the praise and the honor to God. And I don't want to just be cute and funny and even elementary and immature. I really believe God is fixing to do something in the earth that is going to be directly connected to the passion, the fervency, and the fire that is burning in the hearts of the people of God. And that's how I'm going to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, make us contagious. Amen. I want to tell you today as we open up this message and remind you that last week we talked about Christianity at a molecular level. Uh, and at the molecular level of Christianity, I remind you, is the heart of every believer. A heart shapes motives, motives make men, and men create and lead movements. And if we're going to see a move of God happen that touches the nations of the earth, that crescendos into the coming of the Lord, I believe it's going to start at that molecular level and it's going to start in the hearts of the people of God. And when we get the heart right, it will inevitably lead to holy and righteous fruit coming out of our lives. Fruit is to be inspected. We talked about that the last time we were together to examine our hearts. And the kind of fruit that we are producing it, it is directly connected to the kind of heart that you and I have as the people of God. A righteously affected heart is what God wants us to have a heart that is righteously affected or should I say in this environment that we're in right now a heart that is righteously infected it's been touched it's been it's it 's a heart that has accepted. Oh, the contagion of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're not just satisfied. We can't go back to life as normal because when we met Jesus, something happened down on the inside of us that changed us for the rest of our lives. I was reading an article this past week, which is sort of where this sermon got its traction and God began to speak to me. I was reading an article, and in the article, It talked about how the the coronavirus started in one person and that this virus is so contagious that one infected host can infect 59,000 people. I read that and I couldn't even believe it. I didn't believe it was real. But as I read the scientific evidence that supported the, 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 the article I was reading, it occurred to me that what the, what the virus had to have to spread was a host. It had to have someone that accepted the virus and the virus was so contagious that if it just found the right host, that would get connected and would and would not follow any of the uh, of the social protections that we're all trying to follow, all the social distancing and washing our hands and putting our, our our arm over our mouth when we cough. If this person got infected with the virus and followed none of the protocol that's being given to us. 59,000 people could be contaminated just because of one host. I'm afraid that sometimes we see these things happening in the world and we think those things are more powerful and contagious. Than the God and the gospel and the Christ and the move of God that heaven is wanting to release in the earth. And I just want to clear up the matter today. God will never allow a virus to become more contagious than the kingdom of God and the power of his word and the power of his spirit working in a heart and a life. The church is about to get contagious and this thing is getting ready to spread. Can somebody say amen? Now as I thought about this message, I want to tell you that the greatest threat To the spreading of the word of God and the spreading of the kingdom... Is a vanilla, this vanilla, uh, this 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 absolutely watered down, chilled out expression of Christianity. It is dangerous. It it is the doctrine of don't make waves. It is we are one among many. Let's hold hands and sing "Kumbaya," friend. I want to tell you right now, God did not send His only Son into the world and, and see Him crucified on a Heal just so that he could be one among many of religious gurus that call themselves a Messiah. There is only one Messiah. He came through a virgin womb of a girl named Mary. He was born by the Holy Spirit, lived in the Spirit, ministered in the Spirit, died in the Spirit and rose from the dead with all victory. And friend, when that truth gets into your heart you become absolutely blasted by the goodness of God and you become become contagious hallelujah i'm i'm here today to announce to you that god is looking for some hosts god is looking for some hosts that will let him in one person they called it in this medical journal i read a host one person became a host 59,000 people 59,000 people could be contaminated by one person hosting a virus if 59,000 people can be contaminated by one person hosting a virus, I want you to think about the exponential value that would absolutely be manifested if people in the kingdom understood the power of what Christ has done in their life. It's about to get contagious around here. Now, in order for us to understand the danger and the threat of this Vanilla, tired, chill,ed out, at ease, cool guy brand of Christianity. It's absolutely a danger. It's a threat to the advancing of the kingdom of God. And Paul tells us this in Romans chapter twelve. Now let me break this down for you. Paul's letter to the book in Paul's letter to the Romans. It is clear that there is a certain passion and tenacity that should be evident and at work in the life of every believer. Romans chapter twelve is a turning point in the entire book of Romans. In the previous chapters the main emphasis in the book was why we need a savior and how we accept him into our lives and how how he changes us once he comes in. It's all about how we host Jesus in our heart. However, in the 12th chapter, he begins to deal with a a Christian uh, a, a Christian ethic, a, a Christian way of living. He begins to tell us the, the, ways that the, the many practical ways that we should demonstrate our Christianity. As you study the book of Romans and particularly the 12th chapter and following it, it is important to note that salvation is through God's grace and not our works. However, a natural result of salvation is that a life will be lived that is pleasing to God. This is exactly where Paul picks up in Romans chapter 12. You remember this verse. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the pleasing and perfect will of God. And as we dive into the latter half of Romans chapter 12, Paul begins to do something that is incredibly clarifying. He brings incredible accountability. This is incredibly practical. We always want to know, what should we be doing as Christians? Because some people say you get saved and do nothing. Others say the only way you get saved is to do. Listen, we are not saved by our works. We are saved for good works. And the works that we are saved for are revealed here in Romans chapter 12 when Paul gives us a list of expected behaviors that we should see in the life of a Christian. It's in some ways, as I said, uh, a whole issue of Christian ethics that he reveals here. This is what life as a child of God looks like. And I don't have time to go through all of this. Reading it alone will convict many of us. He says, let our love be without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Any of that ministering to you yet? How about this one? Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. And listen to this, he even goes a step further. In honor, giving preference to the other. This is deep stuff. Paul is telling us that if we're really, if we've really hosted Jesus, if he has really infected our heart, if we've really taken him in, then something is different about our behavior. Something is different about the way we treat people. We we love people with brotherly love and we exemplify and demonstrate that. Because we actually prefer others above ourselves. Look at verse 11. Do not lag in diligence. And then there's this little phrase. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. One translation said, serve the Lord with a spirit of fervency. Fervency. Everyone say fervency. I want your children to say fervency. Something about being fervent that God is pleased with. This idea of a passionless This idea of a passionless, vanilla, chilled-out Christianity is not in your Bible. It is not what Jesus died to give. It's not what makes the kingdom of God contagious. Fervent is actually a verb in the Greek. It is the Greek word zeo. It's where we get the word zeal. And the word zeo is a verb meaning to boil. He said, I want you to have A boiling temperature when it comes to your spirituality. I really want you to be boiling. And I want you to get this because some people are just just into warm Christianity. Some even like it hot. But I want to tell you right now, a hot pot of water may burn your finger, but it will not move a train. Only boiling water, steam being produced, moves a locomotive. This is why, one reason why we're getting so, so sometimes we feel like we're not making any progress and we feel like we're stuck. I want to ask you a question. What is your temperature today? What is your temperature today? Are you cold? Are you lukewarm? Are you hot? Or are you boiling? Do you remember what it was like when the Lord saved you? Do you remember what it was like when the Lord rescued you? Do you remember what it was like when the Lord came and put your life back together? Oh my God, I want to tell you right now, when you've you've been reminded of His goodness and morning after morning new. Mercies, I see. Every day I get up, I want to live with a fervent spirit that is boiling. Boiling because God is moving. God is, His church is moving. His church is advancing. We're not going to advance with a chilled spirit and just getting through motions. Listen, this is not an hour for us to see how blended in. And how cool we can be. The church has an opportunity right now to spread something. (laughs) Jesus. The church has an opportunity right now to spread something that cannot be found anywhere else. We have the antidote for fear. It's faith. We have the antidote for worry. Uh, And it's peace and trust in God. I want to tell you right now that we ought to be really loud and very... I'm not just talking about loud vocally. I'm just talking about being loud in our living. We ought to be telling everybody... The good news right now is there a sickness? Absolutely. Are we aloof to the fact that there are people who need a miracle, people who are struggling right now financially? No, we know all of those things. But I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus has not changed. His word has not been altered. His promises are still yes, and they are amen. And you and I, we have an opportunity into this in this moment not to be chilled out by the by the pressures and the problems that everyone is talking about but in the middle of it all to stay we have found someone who has given us a reason and a purpose to live we're not denying the pain we're just telling you there's someone on our side in our life that has given us promises beyond the pain and it's causing us to live fervently for him Jesus is giving us a fervent hot spirit and today I want you to know that that this is the plan of God God wants you to be fervent now Christians with no zeal. I want to tell you right now that it's, it's, it's dangerous to live as a Christian with no zeal. Because anytime you tell people you're a Christian and you have no zeal, if you're not careful, and I'm not just talking about a type A personality. I'm not talking about people who are just bubbly and like get on your nerves and irritate you. I'm talking about people who really believe what they say. When I say fervent, I mean someone, I I, I was raised with fervent Christians. I was raised raised with fervent Christians. They were not wealthy people. They didn't have all the money, they didn't have all the education, they didn't have all the degrees, but they knew how to talk to God and they knew how to touch God. And when they came out of those places of prayer, you didn't have to know you didn't have to know anything about them. All you knew is that they had been with God. There was something about their life that had been affected by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you right now, something's getting ready to spread in America. A dead and sleeping church is coming back to life and this Christianity that we have preached for so long on faith is getting ready to be manifested and become sight and miracles are not coming back because they never left. Joy is not coming back because it never left. We ran off and left the miracles. We ran off and left the joy. We ran off and left revival but we're coming back to it because the world is crying out for it. Romans said the earth is groaning for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. They're tired of a weak church. They're tired of a watered-down church, tired of a vanilla church that believes that their God, Jesus, is just one among many. He is not just one among many. He is the Son of the living God. We have hosted and taken Him in. He has changed our life. We will never be the same, and we want to tell the world how good Jesus is. I want you to hear me tonight. I want you to hear me today. Zeal. Zeal is what causes people to pray. Zeal is what sends missionaries around the world. Zeal is what makes you hungry to lead someone to Jesus. Zeal is what'll make you get up on Saturday morning and go out with the share team and feed hungry people. Zeal is what causes people to give sacrificially. Zeal is what causes people to keep moving forward in God when hell breaks loose and it looks like nothing's going right in life. When it looks like the stock market's crashing, my 401k is evaporating, and I want to know, can I make it? Your zeal for God is what causes you and I to say, you know what, he's brought me too far to turn back now. I wouldn't take anything for this journey. I'm going to keep on walking with God. Zeal. God wants us to have zeal. He wants you to be zealously, Galatians 4, zealously affected for a good thing. Zealously affected, Paul said, for a good thing. Listen, I'm concerned that in this moment that we're living in, there's way too much vacillation going on in the kingdom of God as if we're not sure about what the answer is. He's still the answer. Riding down the road with Devin a couple of days ago. And you know me, I have this old uh, playlist, and she's not real fond of it, but I take control of it, of the car sounds and the singing and the music, and I make her, I hold her hostage, and I hold her hand, precious hand, and I make her listen to my playlist, and she tries to engage God with it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But a song came on. Andre Crouch wrote it. And they started singing, Jesus is the answer for the world today. And she said, Kevin, this song is so old. I said, just keep listening to it. It will bless you. And a few minutes later, we were both praising God. Because I want to tell you something, family. Jesus is still the answer. He is still the answer for the world today. When this world is shaken and rocking and reeling and economies are turned upside down and governments are scratching their head and leaders have no answers, might I tell you that nothing about God has changed? Can I just inform you this? Jesus was not, he didn't catch this whole situation going on in the Sunday morning paper the Sunday after it started happening. He can never be educated or informed. He knew it before it was ever going to happen. He is omniscient, which means he knows all things. He didn't get caught off guard. And you may say, if he knew it was coming, why didn't he stop it? I want to tell you, friend, he doesn't stop everything bad from happening, but he works in the middle of every bad thing and brings things back together for his good, for your good and his glory. Don't miss this. Just because God didn't stop it doesn't mean God's not working. And today I want you to know that one of the things God is doing in this moment, I believe with all my heart he's waking up a church. This is what we've been talking about for several weeks. God is resetting our faith. God is strengthening us on the inside. God is aligning our hearts. Why? Because the earth doesn't need a wishy-washy church that is back and forth and up and down. God needs a church that is solid, a church that believes, a church that that knows the fire of God on the inside because they've decided to be a host that will take his presence in. We're hosting him. Now watch this. I I, I recently read a study called The Spread of Christianity written by an author named Ron Graham, and he takes the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, he takes the book of Acts, he divides it into six segments, and he begins to talk about how Christianity spread in the book of Acts Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 6 verse 7, is it reveals how Christianity spread throughout Jerusalem. Now, why is it important that it spread throughout Jerusalem? Because remember what Jesus said before he got on a cloud and got out of here. Jesus said these words, You will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. God actually gave a blueprint for the outpouring. God gave them an idea of what was coming. God gave them an understanding of what he was getting ready to do through their lives. And as you read the book of Acts, the first six chapters are dedicated to understanding how Christianity spread throughout Jerusalem. And the key characters in the the first six chapters of Acts are a man named Peter and a man named John. You know them well. And it's in the city of Jerusalem that the outpouring happens. And I want to tell you this. You may be shocked to know this, but in the great outpouring that happened in Jerusalem in the first six chapters of Acts, there was great poverty that was being experienced in the church. We don't always get that when we read it, but I want you to know that behind the scenes, the church was struggling with great poverty as it was trying to find resources to expand. But I want you to hear what happens in the sixth chapter, the seventh verse. In spite of the poverty, in spite of the stuff going on, in spite of the people involved, listen to Acts chapter 6 verse 7, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. From from there, we go to Acts chapter 6 verse 8 through 9 verse 31, and, and, and this is a revelation of how Christianity spread through Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. These are people involved, the the people like Stephen and Philip and Saul. Saul, you know, Saul, he was killing the Christians and was a Jewish man who was attending to the murder of those who were being used by Jesus to advance the gospel. And if you read Acts 6 through Acts 9, you will see a tremendous amount of persecution. Yet the last verse of that segment says this, Acts 9 verse 31, and the church had rest. Throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, going on and being built up in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued, the church continued to increase. We flip over from Acts 9:31, and in Acts verse 9, chapter 9, verse 32, we begin to see for the next three chapters. Uh, uh, How Christianity spread through the coastlands and Syria. How God moved on a man named Cornelius and he moved through a man named Peter. And yes, they still had problems. And the problems that they found in this particular segment of expansion was one of prejudice. It was one of racism. But despite the problem of prejudice and racism, I want you to hear what the Bible says in Acts chapter 12 verse 24. The word of the Lord continued to grow and it multiplied in that region from Acts chapter 12 verse 25 through Acts chapter 16 we see how Christianity spread throughout Cyprus and Galatia God worked through men like Paul who was Saul but had now been converted men like Barnabas and Silas who were launched out of their church uh, uh, at Antioch and were sent on missionary journeys And, and in these four chapters we see yet another problem we see the problem of perverting the truth that arose as false teachers were trying to invade the church. But in spite of the problems the church was facing, I want you to listen to the fifth verse of the 16th chapter of Acts. It says that the churches were established in faith and they increased and multiplied in number daily. And when you flip over to Acts 16 verse 6, it begins to show us how Christianity spread throughout Macedonia and throughout all of Asia. It's the story of how Paul was sent from one place into a city called Macedonia even though he wanted to go somewhere else. The Spirit of the Lord led him through a dream into Macedonia. There we see in these four chapters we see the issue of idolatry. There was a problem with idolatry in every city that the apostles were ministering in but I want you to hear what the word of the Lord says in the 20th verse of the 19th chapter it said the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed among the people and that's not the last for the last segment is the 16th chapter of Acts or pardon me the 19th chapter of Acts through Acts chapter 28. It is the story of how Christianity spread throughout the entire province of Rome mainly through the life of one man named Paul who went about preaching the gospel in every town, in every village, in every synagogue in every public place he opened up his mouth and he opened up the scriptures and he told the people of Jesus. Were there problems then? Yes. What were the problems? The problem was a place called prison for a man named Paul. But in spite of a man named Paul being thrown into a prison, Acts chapter 28 verse 31 says, Paul preached the kingdom of God and taught about Christ openly unhindered and the entire Roman province had heard the name of Jesus. What is the point pastor? The point is that 11 men, 11 men without a printing press, without a satellite, without 10,000 copies of Bibles, without a Facebook Live, without an Instagram IGTV, without a blue check mark on their Twitter account, a few became a following, a Became a crowd. What was a seed became a tree. And the gospel grew everywhere it went. Because Jesus said, upon this rock I feel the Lord. On this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. This is not a time for you to go out of business. This is a time to get a word from the Lord. Stand on a corner, stand in your house, stand on your job. Tell everybody you know what Jesus has done for you. Be fervent in spirit. This thing is about to spread. Somebody give God praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to tell you right now, God is getting ready to send. LeBron, come get on the organ. I feel like preaching. I feel like preaching. I want you to know this thing is getting ready to spread. I know there's something spreading in America right now. I know there's something spreading in the nations of the earth right now. I know that there's something going on and they're looking for a vaccine, trying to figure out how to fix it. I'll tell you right now, hell has no vaccine that will ever put to sleep the power of the gospel and the power of the people of and your family and everyone in your house will know the goodness of God, hallelujah. God is is saying in this hour, I'm trying to calm down, but I feel this fire burning up in me right now. I feel it in my soul right now. This thing is real, church. This is not just another social organization. The church is not just another social entity. The church is the organism of the kingdom of God. It is is the people of God. And the presence of God, Moses says, is what makes us different than every other group of people on the planet. I'll tell you what makes us different. It's not our creeds. It's It's not our doctrines. What makes us different is the presence of God. And in this moment that we're living right now, I'm telling you, God wants to send something across this nation that spreads. It's more contagious, may it be so, God, more contagious than the coronavirus. If one person can host a virus and infect 59,000 people, What would happen if one person zealously affected by the goodness of God hosted the presence of God and said I'll never be ashamed of God another day in my life? He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I want to be set on fire. I want my soul to be ablaze. I want to be contagious with the goodness of God. Here's what God is saying to us in this hour. Don't just come out of this and say I survived. Don't just come out of this one and say, well, we made it through the pandemic. Come out of this one and say, the devil's going to wish he never messed with us in the first place. We had time to pray like we never prayed. We had time to read like we never read. We had time to seek the Lord. And something has happened to the body of Christ. Somebody has been snapped out of their routine. They've been snapped out of their ways. And God has touched some hearts. And people are coming alive in Christ today. And I tell you right now, I tell you right now, the the next voice we're getting ready to hear in America is not the voice of another pundit, not another media mogul, the voice that's getting ready to be spoken. I declare the prophets are coming. The prophets are coming. I don't mean the parking lot prophets that, yea, I say, God's about to bless you. I mean the prophets that have heard the voice of God, wrapped their head in a mantle, came out on the edge of a cave, heard the voice of God, and are not afraid to walk into Ahab's presence and tell Jezebel "This, this entire famine is coming to an end. And as it comes to an end, God is bringing judgment on those who have rebelled and resisted, and he's bringing blessing on those who have opened their hearts to host his presence. This is the day. This is the day. Nobody, nobody right now, listen to me, family. Nobody right now wants to be the person that, 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 that is not talking about fear. But I'm going to tell you right now, if all we get over the next four weeks is fear not, we're missing an opportunity to move forward. Jesus said fear not. God said fear not. Angels said fear not. And immediately after that, he said fear not. Now, here's the instruction. Go do it. Why? Because we can't just live our life not fearing. We've actually got to go somewhere. God is calling us to make progress. We don't have to be afraid. My greatest fear for us, help me, Brian. My, lead, my greatest fear for us is not the coronavirus. My greatest fear for the church is that the coronavirus makes more news than the kingdom. That, that, the, that the message of fear that's being propagated through this virus become somehow greater than the message of hope and promise that is available in Jesus. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been doing it. I don't care how screwed up you think you are right now. I want to tell you, Jesus saved Paul. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. You don't get much worse than chief. Please hear me. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through and whatever you've done and whoever you've slept with and whatever you've smoked and whatever you've drunk and whatever, wherever you've been in life. If you'll taste Jesus, if you just take him in and host him, he'll change your life. Oh, I don't want all that religion. Oh, I'm glad you don't want religion because I don't want you to get religion either. I want you to get Jesus. I want you to get the real thing. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, somebody who's watching me right now that needs you, they know they need you. They know they need you, and I'm asking you to come and rescue them, Lord. If you need the Lord to rescue you and to save you wherever you are and whatever you're doing, and however you're living, it's just a simple prayer, and we don't want to complicate it for you. Just say, God, I need a Savior forgive me of all my sins Jesus come into my heart and be the Lord of my life I'm asking you to be in total control Lord come on tell him that I'm asking you to be my Savior save me today God in Jesus name I give you my life amen friend if you just prayed that prayer I want you to let us know there's going to be a link that comes up that There's a place where you can send anything you want us to pray about. If you don't need prayer for anything but you want to let us know that you just gave your heart to Jesus, we want to know. Because number one, we want to pray for you. Number two, we want to make sure you have a Bible and that you have connection and anything we can do to help you in your journey of knowing Jesus. That's why we're here. Jesus is real. Sometimes you're going to go through seasons where you can't find him. You'd wonder, where is he? That's why you need brothers and sisters people you're connected to to help you know that this journey sometimes, the enemy comes and tries to blind us. But if we'll just hang on to God, we'll recognize he's been hanging on to us. He's got a plan for our life. I want you to let us know you gave your heart to Christ today. We're gonna pray for you. And I wanna pray for people right now who are watching who would say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I wanna be contagious. I want my Christianity. I know it's real, but I want it to be real to me again. I want my life. I don't wanna just try hard I want to be so full and overflowing of the presence of God that what I have, other people. I know other people need some joy. I know other people need some peace. And I want to experience on such a level. I want to experience it on such a level that it overflows into lives. And people actually want to come after the God that I that I serve and claim to be my God. Father, I just pray for the church right now. Let us be contagious again. I pray we'd just do more than preach. I pray we'd practice what we preach. we love passionately and prefer others, and let us live fervently, Lord. Because sometimes we're so quick to abandon when the when the road gets rough and the, and the and the stuff gets hard, and life just throws a bunch of mess at us. We're so quick just to get vanilla out and chill out and back off our Christianity. God, today I'm praying for fervent, passionate. Massageous believers that will spread this good news and this life of the kingdom in a way that the world has never seen before. I pray for harvests of souls in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love your family. We'll see you next week. God bless.